Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. And by Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to our show number 965. Well, it's a little chilly here in the Northeast, but pretty much always sunny and warm in Southern California. So let's start off today's show with an audio postcard from there. Hello. Hang on a second. He's not ready yet. Oh, yes. Hello, Mark. Hi, Ray. This is the San Diego Bird Guide, Mark Dayton, and I'm here at Lindo Lake in San Diego, California. And what you guys are hearing here are um, some great-tailed grackles and some red-winged blackbirds. And I'm just kind of taking in a quick hit here this morning. This is close to home, and I like to come over here and check out the birds as often as I can. I hope you and your listeners have a great day. Bye. Thank you so much, Mark. I love those great tail grackles. Mark, by the way, uh, it was the guide for our friend uh, Gino Ellison when he was doing his big year San Diego portion recently. We'll get an update about Gino's big year, too, coming soon. We figure that wherever you're looking at birds, there's a potential postcard. If you'd like to share some sightings from your backyard or favorite birding spot or any place else, just make a little recording of what you're seeing on your smartphone or digital device then send the file to ray at talkingbirds.com. That's ray at talkingbirds.com. And we'll share your avian audio postcard on the air and on our podcast and live stream as well. Well, speaking of that same email address, anybody doing a Christmas bird count on December 31st? If you are, give us a holler. We have a little something in mind Relating to that and making it part of our show, let us know at ray at talkingbirds.com and we'll explain what we have in mind there. Kind of a beautiful sounding bird, but a mystery. At least for the moment, it's our mystery bird, and this is a preview of the contest coming a bit later on in the show this morning. Well, most folks feed birds, if you possibly can. Everybody loves to feed birds and watch birds. And what's the one bane of all bird feeders? Squirrels. Squirrels. But what if you have a squirrel-proof feeder? If you win our mystery bird contest, you will. It's the Brome Squirrel Solution 150 Feeder. Genuinely squirrel-proof and chew-proof, too. It's easy to clean, even features a vented seed tray to keep the seed fresh and dry. But I'm digressing a little bit here because we're describing the bird. It's a small thrush with a rust brown throat and breast, white underparts, and bright blue upper parts. Our bird breeds east of the Rockies from southeastern Canada to the Gulf of Mexico and is seen year-round in the southern half of that territory in open woodlands, Farmlands, parks, and orchards. It forages usually from low perches for insect prey. Also feeds on earthworms and other invertebrates and on berries during the winter. A couple of clues there and the sound of our mystery bird. And that's one of our prizes. And the other one, that mystery bird, uh, I mean that 
Broom Squirrel Solution Feeder is one of our prizes. Also, from Fresh Cut Paper, makers of beautiful life-size pop-up floral bouquets that are wilt-proof and crafted to last a lifetime. We have a certificate for five of those gorgeous bouquets. And yes, they have bird-themed bouquets among their selection. And those carry a very small fraction of the carbon footprint of imported flowers. We mentioned the Rockies. If you're west of the Rockies and you're our Mystery Bird Contest winner, we also have a special extra prize for you. So our contest coming along a bit later in the show. There's a little preview to get you ready for our Mystery Bird Contest. Saluting another Talking Birds ambassador. Who are Talking Birds ambassadors? Well, they're Talking Birds listeners who have stepped up in helping us do what we're trying to do, which is simply to spread the word about birds and birding, bird watching, and conservation. That's what we're all about. And if you'd like to help us, best way to do it really is to become a Talking Birds ambassador. We'll send you a bunch of cards. You can hand them out to your friends and neighbors at your convenience, and that's becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. Just go to TalkingBirds.com. There's no G in talking. That's right, and then just go to the Get Involved button, and you'll see how to become a Talking Birds ambassador. It is really easy, and today we want to say thank you to Jen Schultes from Fort Worth, Texas, one of our latest Talking Birds ambassadors, and thank you so much, Jen. Still to come on our show today, we'll continue our look back at 2023 with another of our favorite interviews. This one is from September, and it's our talk with the American Bird Conservancy's Hardy Kern on an important topic related to another of the many serious threats to bird survival. Also today, Mike O'Connor will join us for Let's Ask Live segment about how even if you're in the city, boy, you can still do a lot with birds and feeding them and watching them wherever you are. That's on Let's Ask Mike live this morning. And up next, meet Morris Bassinus. That's today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. The National Wildlife Service Field Guide to the Birds of North America describes today's featured feathered friend as a boreal booby. That sounds like it could be an insult, but it isn't. It's just a way of saying that this species is a northern cousin of tropical birds like the blue-footed, red-footed, brown, masked, and Nazca boobies. It might be referred to in shorthand as NG. Also not an insult, just the common name initials of our bird, the northern gannet. Northern gannets are wonderful to see in flight with their streamlined shape, the adult's striking white body and wings with large black wingtips and a wingspan of nearly six feet. It's a pretty cool bird to see up close, too. The adult's head has a yellowish tint. The bill is pale blue, outlined in black. Bare skin on the face is a dark blue-gray. It has a bright blue ring around the eyes and the gray-black legs and feet show a line in green or electric blue extending down to the toes. 
and it's a treat to watch a large number of gannets diving as they do from as high as 130 feet above the ocean waves, plunging into the water with wings held back and creating a dagger-like profile, and then flying underwater to depths of 70 feet or more, catching fish as they fly back up to the surface. The northern gannet's vocalizations don't quite match the elegance of its appearance. By the way, the word plunging is also used as a collective noun for a group of gannets. Such a group might also be referred to as a company or a gannetry of gannets. A beautiful boreal booby. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend, Morris Bassinus, the northern gannet. Hardy Kern is the Director of Government Relations at the American Bird Conservancy and Director of their Birds and Pesticides campaign. And he's here to tell us about the extreme threat to birds and their environments by neonicotinoid pesticides, or neonics. Good morning, Hardy. Morning, Ray. Thank you so much for having me. Really glad to be here. Our pleasure and honor indeed. Well, you're the co-author of a new report published by the American Bird Conservancy, ABC, It says the U.S. is failing to effectively regulate neonicotinoid pesticides despite overwhelming evidence that they harm birds, the insects that sustain them, and the aquatic environments that many rely on. So to start off, what are neonics and why are they so harmful? Absolutely. Neonics are a specific class of insecticides that do their job very well. They were developed in the early 90s, but they didn't really become commonplace in the United States, both in agriculture and in at-home uses or community uses until about 2003 or 2004. And after that, their use just completely exploded. It skyrocketed. And In the chemical pesticide industry, there's always a push to come up with a newer, more effective type of insecticide or herbicide or whatever it might be. And with neonics, they really, really hit their mark because they are highly effective chemicals and that they're really toxic in extraordinarily small amounts. This means that when they were first brought onto the scene, they were marketed as, you know, a a new type of insecticide that would be able to be used in much smaller quantities with much greater effect. However, as we've seen with neonics is the same that we've seen with a lot of other new chemical classes that have been brought into the conversation and brought onto the market over the years which is that we didn't really fully understand their full breadth and their full uh, impact when they were first developed and first deployed. And now years later, we're looking back and realizing how environmentally harmful these chemicals have been. Now, these are applied as a seed coating, as I understand it, generally to crops like corn, soybeans, but they don't just affect the individual seeds, right? That's correct. Neonics are neurotoxins. They are designed to fit into um, specific receptors inside of an invertebrate's uh, nervous system and sometimes also a vertebrate's nervous system as well. And they fit inside a little slot that is meant for a specific receptor that helps with muscle contraction and that helps with nerve firing. So essentially what they do is they block 
nerve signal transduction, which makes it hard to contract your limbs or have your internal organs keep operating. That means that they become really, really great uh, insect killers. But because they work on the nervous system, they have a lot of other effects as well. And the way that they were designed was to be really highly water soluble. They travel really easily through water. And that's great from their original intentions, because when they're put on the outside of a seed, that seed gets planted in the ground. It gets its first little bit of water and the coating on this seed sloughs off. And as that little seed sprouts its first roots, it sucks the insecticide up into its roots. And then as the plant sprouts, it actually grows the insecticide into every single part of its tissue. That means it can't be washed off. It's not going to come off with rain. And then the first round of aphids or sucking insects that come along are going to take a bite of that plant, experience the insecticide, and then maybe leave the plant alone. However, as little as 2% of that insecticide coating actually makes it into the plant. The rest, up to 98%, winds up either coming off as dust even before the seed is planted, or it gets into groundwater, it stays in the soil, it makes its way into local streams and rivers, where it continues doing its job. It continues to kill invertebrates, and that's a, a you know, invertebrates are a major source of food for birds. Not to mention that birds are really, really, um, a used to American agriculture. We find them a lot on farmlands and a lot of birds are opportunistic. So they see a big seed spill or a freshly plowed field. They're going to dive down and pick up some of those seeds. And here's the crazy thing with neonics as seed coatings, as little as one single seed is enough to kill a songbird the size of a red winged blackbird, a pretty able body, pretty stout little bird. And that that's, that just shows how highly toxic that these chemicals can be. So they're kind of a one-two punch because not only are they uh, toxic to a bird when they're ingested, they also contribute to overall insect loss. So the birds might get poisoned by eating them, but they also might experience extreme prey loss in areas where neonics are used. And neonics, by the way, are the most widely used insecticide in the United States. As much as um, 90%, some estimates even say 97% of corn planted in the United States has a neonic on the outside of their seed when they're planted in the ground. Your report, by the way, um, Hardy says there's been little progress since ABC's call for stricter regulations 10 years ago. Can you give a very quick uh, idea why nothing has really happened? Sure. So 10 years ago, ABC published a report. This was well before I worked at ABC, documenting how dangerous neonics were to birds. It was sort of seeing the initial 10 years of results. It was a massive review of scientific literature, as well as a look at data with specific policy recommendations for the Environmental Protection Agency, as well as Congress to say, you know, here's some ideas on how we can scale back the impact of these insecticides. Another 10 years has passed. So this is 2023 when we published the second report. And we have not seen any major development in regulating neonics. And this is for a wide variety of reasons. I I don't want to point specific fingers at any one agency, but Basically, neonics have become so ubiquitous in American agriculture and a lot in our home uses as well 
that there's a heavy interest in keeping them on the market. Mm -hmm. Um, We feel that the initial investigations into neonics done by the EPA, which they are federally required to do, didn't really consider all of the impacts to non-target organisms like wildlife. It didn't look at what happens when they get into the water. It didn't really look at what happens when multiple neonics might be in the same field or an organism is exposed to the same chemical coming from different sources. So we made specific recommendations in 2023 We haven't seen those adopted 10 years later. And so our new report goes even further to say that we would like to see more states passing laws that restrict the use of neonics. 10 have done so already, which we're very excited about. And the current EPA administration is actually doing a really fantastic job of trying to make up for basically 40 years of not complying with federal law. They've lost in court several times on this matter, and they're really doing their best to try to introduce some new mitigations. But we are kind of still poking them with the stick to make sure that birds are receiving the greatest protections possible because we feel they can always do more. We are so uh, close to being out of time, Hardy, but I wonder if we can bring this back to us regular folks and tell us briefly what we can do. Happily. So the best things you can do are talk to your elected officials, talk to your Congress people, talk to your state representatives and let them know that neonics are something that you care about and you would like to see their use restricted at the state level and that you would like them to support better funding for the EPA so that they can continue to evaluate the impacts on these insectis- of these insecticides on birds. And the other thing you can do is at home, if you garden, try to avoid the use of any chemical pesticides. There's some really great non-toxic alternatives. Buy organic when you're able to. And my best piece of advice is read the label. We have some great resources on abcbirds.org that teach you how to read a label and make sure that your products are as bird-friendly as possible. Hardy Kern is the Director of Government Relations at the American Bird Conservancy and Director of their Birds and Pesticides campaign. Hardy, thanks for explaining all this to us, and thank you for your important work. Thank you so much, Ray. Great to be on the show, and, uh, you know, long-time listener, first-time caller, so very, very pleased. <laughs> Never heard that before, but thank you. <laughs> Hardy Kern here on Talking Birds. That website, again, is abcbirds. Up next, it's our Mystery Bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. Kind of a beautiful sounding bird. It is our mystery bird. 
And if you have trouble with squirrels at your bird feeders, have no fear. A special prize is here on our Mystery Bird Contest. First, a description of our mystery bird. It's a small thrush with a rust-brown throat and breast, white underparts, and bright blue upper parts. It's a much-loved bird, breeding east of the Rockies from southeastern Canada to the Gulf of Mexico, seen year-round in the southern half of that territory pretty much, in farmlands and parks and orchards and woodlands. It forages from low perches for insect prey and also feeds on earthworms and other invertebrates, and in the winter, on berries. That's our mystery bird. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. That's 781-837-4900. As always, please call us as soon as you can so we'll have time. And don't worry if you don't have the right answer because if no one gets it, a drawing will determine our winner of a Broom Squirrel Solution 150 feeder. Genuinely squirrel-proof and chew-proof and easy to clean and even features a vented seed tray to keep the seed fresh and dry. And from our friends at Fresh Cut Paper, makers of beautiful life-sized pop-up floral bouquets that are wilt-proof and crafted to last a lifetime. We have a certificate for five of those bouquets, bird-themed bouquets among their selection. By the way, Fresh Cut plants a tree for every bouquet sold, so we're happy to have them as a prize provider here on Talking Birds. And the number is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we have Mike O'Connor live this morning. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. What's one of your favorite memories? Hmm, let's see. Well, there was this one time I went snorkeling in the Caribbean when I was a kid. It really just blew my mind. I mean, when you're sitting on the beach, it's so peaceful and you sort of forget there's a whole other world under there just full of all kinds of life. We saw the most beautiful corals. I remember thinking they were waving at us as they moved with the ocean. And then there were all these amazing fish. They kind of reminded me of tropical birds. They were so bright and colorful, just darting all over the place like birds in the sky. I'll never forget it. It completely changed the way I look at the ocean. Most of us have a memory of being in nature we'll never forget. Let's protect the world's natural places so more memories can be made for generations to come. Visit worldwildlife.org. We mentioned Southern California earlier as a place where it's always sunny and warm, and folks say that about Cape Cod, too. And that's where Mike O'Connor is down there at the famous Birdwatcher's General Store. Good morning, Mike. You want to give us a weather report, or dare you? Today? Uh, you know, it's hard to tell the difference between Southern California and Cape Cod. It's just I know, yeah. kind of one of the same. It's a little yeah. fewer people this time of year than Southern right. California. The palm trees are smaller on the Cape. I think, also, but, uh, <laughs> And they smell like cranberries. You're not in an urban area, so uh, lots of us are, including yours truly. But I think you want to emphasize today that even if you're in the city, you can still watch birds and feed birds. Is that uh, well? You're right, and we forget we get you get those wonderful audio postcards and people in wildlife refuges. Mm-hmm. Or uh, uh, will 
wilderness areas, and they get to hear these cool birds. Yeah. But the city has a lot of birds, and as a matter of fact, I have I have customers who live in high rises in Manhattan, and 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 they get birds on on feeders. And what I tell folks to do, if you live in, even in a high rise, if you've got any kind of balcony, you can put out a feeder. Um, stick it on the window if you have a window out front or put it on a little hook and hang it out there. And in the city, I tell people to go small because there's always a, ch- um, a chance, like, nah, nobody really wants pigeons, but, and they don't want a lot of, uh, you know, droppings on the deck or whatever. So I say get a small feeder and use sunflower seeds without the shells. That's a little bit more money, but there's, not, there's no waste. And the birds will come. The birds will find it. You might end up with house sparrows, but that's okay. But you'll get probably house finches, and you'll get some other birds passing through. And just keep in mind that you don't want to hang anything off the balcony that ends up on top of a cab on the <laughs> 14 stories down or something like that. But put everything over your, over your porch. And water is a good alternative, too. You, you know, you can get a little bird bath and put that on your on your balcony, fill that with water, or uh, even if you don't have a bird bath, you can use a little plastic tray, like the things you put underneath a planter. That's actually what I use sometimes, those little plastic trays that go onto planters. Put that out, fill that with water, and the birds will find it. And, and speaking of planting, you know, when the season rolls around, you can put out plants for birds. A lot of people have plants on their balcony, but they just put plants that look pretty. But do a little investigation and find out what kind of plants that the birds will come to, especially hummingbirds. And then you can put those on your balcony as well. And if you don't have a balcony, well, that's okay. You know, the city still has a lot of good birding places. As a matter of fact, we you know, we, we know Central Park is a big deal. But I just punched up eBird, and everybody can punch up eBird, eBird.org. And it'll list all the places you just put down your location, and it'll list all the areas where, where, where people are seeing birds. And I just punched up Chicago, and there's a ton of little parks, and they all have birders, and they all list all the bird scenes. So and if I you live in the city, go for a walk, get your binoculars, and head to one of those parks. You'll be seeing. You should be able to see birds yeah. just about any time of year. Get you know, just because you don't live in the wilderness doesn't mean you can't go outside. Absolutely, and I think you talked about urban garden. I mean, urban, um, yeah, gardens where people grow vegetables and stuff as a as a place where that's true. A lot, a lot, well, especially a lot of uh, I. There's a lot of things, that, community gardens, you know, like a lot of cities community will have gardens, plots yeah. where people can rent something, just a tiny plot, maybe 10 by 10 mm-hmm. or something, and, and the birds love those. I remember um, being in Boston waiting for the uh, uh, Red Sox to play, and I walked through, what do they call that, the fence, right? What is that? The with fence, yeah, right? that's right. And, boy, it was full of birds. It was yeah. uh, warblers and, and brown creepers right there between all the buildings. So if you live in a city, track one of those down and, any time of year, but especially in the spring and the fall when, yeah. the, when the birds are moving through. That's a really good place. Just pack your binoculars. You don't have to drive to a national park. Just go to the city where the parks are and pay attention. You'll be seeing birds, absolutely, for in, sure. Indeed. I, I still remember the first time I ever saw a, a common nighthawk was at Fenway Park in Boston. Right. They fly yeah, over, right? the lights there, yeah. Yeah, 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 me too. All right, Mike, thank you, and uh, we will uh, we'll talk uh, just before the holiday next week. All right, everybody, if I don't talk to you, have an awesome Christmas. Mike O'Connor at the famous uh, Birdwatchers General Store, and we return now to the uh, 
final portion of our mystery bird contest. And guess what? We're pretty short of time here. Janice is in Carver, Massachusetts. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think, Janice, our mystery bird? A western bluebird. Oh, boy. Uh, that is awfully close, Janice. Um, but not, not exactly right, we'll have to say, but we can hint that it's very close. So stand by, okay, because uh, we'll okay. see what happens. All right. Let's try Caroline. Caroline, what do you say the mystery bird is? It's the American robin. The American robin, she says with such confidence. Unfortunately, it's not an American robin. But, uh, I'm sorry, you, you were going for that thrush thing, and of course the robin. That's right, thrush. Uh, yeah, robin is a thrush as well, but she this is, is not, a a, thrush. not that thrush. Okay. Well, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Thank you, Caroline. Let's go to Clark. He's in Hingham, uh, Massachusetts. Good morning, Clark. Hello. Hi. Good morning. Hi. What do uh, you think, Clark? It's an eastern bluebird. Eastern bluebird is the one we are looking for. Where's the applause? There it is. Okay. We had one in our yard uh, once in 30 years. Oh. Unfortunately, a victim of DDT. Uh, well, there you go, just reflecting back on our conversation with uh, Hardy Kern in a slightly different manner. But anyway, Clark, thank you so much. Stay on the line, and we'll get your info. Thank you. All right. Uh, Clark, they're correctly identifying the eastern bluebird. On next week's show, and I really mean it this time because we said this a week early before, our, our Debbie Bleacher will be here to regale us about more amazing bird research in the Talking Birds Science Corner. Thanks for being with us. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. And by Vortex Optics with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com.